Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. What I've learned in, in just, and let me tell you this, if you're having a hard time with like, I'm not as excited about Jesus as I was when I first got saved, you just get into the word of God and spend time in this deal. Spend time praying with him. And he knows how to like bring, you know, fresh like revival in your heart. He knows how to do, he knows how to send those, those showers on that arid dry land. He knows how to do that. Okay. I've been there many times, many, many times before. Do you feel like your relationship with God has hit a bit of a roadblock? Maybe you're struggling to find the same level of excitement that you once had for your faith. Well, in today's message, Pastor James talks about how we have the Bible to help rejuvenate our love for the Lord. The Bible is full of wisdom, guidance, and encouragement that can help you deepen your relationship with God and reignite your passion for Him. So when you're feeling lost or disconnected from God, turn to the Bible and let God speak through its pages. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Numbers chapter 2 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. So you got your Levites, they have these rules and all this good stuff as far as setting up, tearing down, setting up, and all that fun stuff. Verse 52, each tribe of Israel will camp in a designated area with its own family banner, but the Levites will camp around the tabernacle of the covenant to protect the community of Israel from the Lord's anger, right? So you got the military guys kind of protecting the tabernacle and the Levites from outside, external but he had the Levites who are surrounding the tabernacle, protecting the people from like, from the Lord. That's, that's pretty amazing. That's, that's, that's a fascinating thing. Again, uh, look, I don't want you, you don't need to go too crazy with application here of like, oh man, I, you know, I should probably stick close to James because he might be that, you know, that, that shield between me and God. No, 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 that's not how it works. Okay. That is not how it works at all. And you don't want me to be that because look, I'll get taken out before you do. Okay. And then that's, you, know, you have an advocate. You have somebody who stands in front of you. His name is Jesus. So you don't have to worry about it. He took all of the wrath on himself on the cross. So you don't have to worry about that. God's not going to get you, so to speak. Don't be dumb. Don't like tempt him or anything. Don't do anything foolish. But we don't, we don't walk in fear. You don't walk in fear of God. He's a loving God. He's a loving God. And if you're covered by his son's blood, you have nothing to be afraid of. You should be reverent, fearful in that element towards him, but you should not be afraid of him. Okay? This is how God just chose to set it up. And if you saw in the video, they, they illustrated that really well with the, you know, the, the different camps, and we'll see that in a second. But the image that that portrays is a cross. I don't know if you saw that within the video, but how you have the you know two tribes here, two tribes here, and then three tribes here at the bottom, and it it just it it illustrates an actual cross kind of setup. But they're around there protecting the Levites are responsible to stand guard around the tabernacle. Verse fifty four. So the Israelites did everything just as the Lord had commanded Moses. A good start, really good start. But it's not how you start; it's how you finish. It's not how you start; 
It's how you finish. Okay? That's, that's it, Christianity. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. This is a deal of endurance. This is a thing of patience, long-suffering, commitment. Commitment, perseverance. Sweet, you love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and everything today. Sweet, that's great. Please tell me that's true five years down the road. Please tell me that's true 10 years down the road. 40 years down the road. Can I get 50? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, 50. Um, it turned into an auction pretty soon. What are we bidding on? Long suffering. I don't know. Perseverance. It's not how you start. And the start of the journey is a beautiful thing. The start of the journey is an exciting thing, right? It's an exciting, it's, it's always an exciting thing. We, we used to take road trips as a family when I was growing up. Like we could never afford to go anywhere, but there's rare occasions, I think maybe two that I can think of, in all of my childhood where we went to Six Flags, Six Flags over Texas, right? To a young kid, I mean, that's just like, that's it. This, that's the promised land. Like that's, that's it. It doesn't get any better than that. And that this, I'll, you know, this is the era in which I grew up. Our road trip travel method was, uh, well, was amazing to be quite honest with you, because we had a pickup truck. And in the back of the pickup truck, in the bed, there's a mattress. And all us kids were in the mattress from Amarillo, Texas, to Dallas, Texas. Six hours having the time of our lives. How we survived? Just the grace of God. That's all I know. That's all I know. Do I, rec- I don't recommend that at all. Now that I'm a parent, I'm like, I would never do that. But it was amazing. It was the best ever. And we always started out at nighttime. We'd drive through the night, you know? And, but the, at the beginning of the journey was always the most exciting. It was new, and it was like, you know, we could see the destination. And then you get like two hours into the trip, driving through the flatlands of the panhandle where nothing is, you know? And you're just like, are we there yet? Are, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Four hours in. Come on. We got to be there, right? And then, you, then that's when the, the murmuring, murmuring and the complaining and all the stuff starts to kick in, right? Then eventually you make it there. The excitement's always at the beginning, kind of towards the middle. I mean, you're still headed in the same direction. Is the excitement still there? And I know life. Life's going to throw us all curveballs. Life's going to present to you things that well, will be challenging for you in your walk with the Lord. I mean, and, but everything that happens, the Lord's going to allow to happen within your life. But he's got a plan for those whom he loves and he cares about. And I, I'm not saying, you know, we, we need to put on this false kind of front of like, I'm just so excited all the time and all that good stuff. We have good days, we have bad days. We have good days and we have bad days. What I want, and I look back on my life, when I got saved, you know, 20, gosh, 20 something years ago, like I was, I mean, there was just newness, this excitement, you know, and I mean, you you understand that concept. And now 20 plus years later, like, I'm still excited, but it's different. But it's different. Why? Because I got a lot of scars now on this journey through a lot of foolishness and a lot of disobedience to God. And not getting to where probably where he's wanted me as fast as he wanted me to get there. 
I'm still excited. And in what I've learned in, in just... And let me tell you this, if you're having a hard time with like, I'm not as excited about Jesus as I was when I first got saved, you just get into the word of God. Man, spend time in this deal. Spend time praying with him. And he knows how to like bring, you know, fresh like revival in your heart. He knows how to do, he knows how to send those, those showers on that arid, dry land. He knows how to do that. Okay. I've been there many times, many, many times before. But I know like where I'm at right now, I can, I can eagerly anticipate going through the book of Numbers. Why? Because I'm looking for Jesus in this book. Because I'm looking for him. Like, where's, okay, Lord, where are you at in this book? Because I know you're there. Because this is your book. And then I'm, I'm eager for, I'm, eager, I'm more eager for heaven now than I ever have been. And I've always been stoked about heaven. Always. Even as a kid. Not necessarily knowing like how to get there for the most part. But I knew, like, well, heaven's real. And I was, even as a kid, I was like, hell's real. And it's not a cultural thing or anything like that. It's like, no, I knew that. I knew that. And I was always like, I, I want to go there and not down there. Like, that's even as a child, I, I had that mindset. But I was always, I've always been fascinated about heaven. And then I got saved, and I'm like, my ticket's punched, man. It's, it's booked. The journey is, has begun. The road trip of a lifetime has just started. And now this many years down the road, I'm like, I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to get there. And there have been moments and seasons within my life, just like we'll see with the children of Israel, where I have murmured and complained. And I have done a lot of, are we there yet? <laughs> are we there yet? If I have to turn, if I have to tell you one more time, no, the Lord's never said that, right? <laughs> like, he's not, he's not like, well, you know, our poor parents that had to suffer through us on road trips, see if you have kids, now you're, now you're going through it. But that's how it is. But the Lord's just been so good and so gracious and so in his long suffering because he doesn't want any to perish and all that good stuff. But man, the journey is, the journey, the start of a journey is always a great thing. But how you finish is where it's at. It's the most important thing, how you finish. You all have a start, I think, I'm assuming, in this room, you've all had a start to the journey. And that's, and I'm sure it's an amazing story and you got, maybe the Lord's freed you from this or that or, or whatever it is, but hopefully we've all had that beginning of that journey here. And I would say I'm proud of you for having that to start. But if you want to make my joy complete, finish well, finish well. I've been around long enough in ministry to see many start well and not finish well. Or at least the trajectory is not looking good. And it breaks my heart. As a youth pastor for 13 years, it breaks my heart. As a pastor for 20 years now, youth, adult, whatever, Breaks my heart. You start well, sweet, but man, finish. Finish well. Finish well. If you can learn anything from numbers, it's that. I'm going to tell you, out of this generation and these warriors being numbered, not counting the women, not counting the children, there are two guys, two, who go to the promised land. Two. Out of 600,000, warriors. You have two 
who make it. Joshua and Caleb. Finish well. Finish well, right? Keep your eyes fixed on him and just finish well. Let me, hold on, let me get an eyeball in chapter two. I did this last week. I rushed through Jonah chapter four and I went too fast. And then the recording shut off and now I got to re-record chapter four all by myself in this room. It's fun. I love preaching to an empty room. It's an amazing time, but, uh, but I have to, um, and I'll do that. Um, so time-wise, yeah, we're going we're gonna to just scan right through chapter two because again, there's, there's more numbers, but this time it's, it, it's, again, my New Living Translation breaks it down. So if I go too fast, it's okay. Just, I'm not skipping anything. And I'm not trying to trick you, okay? So I'm not leaving anything out. Um, Verse 1, though, it says this. The Lord gave these instructions to Moses and Aaron. The Israelites, when they set up the camp, each tribe will uh, be assigned its own area. And the tribal divisions will camp beneath their family banners on all four sides of the tabernacle, but at some distance from it. Remember, you can't get too close to this thing. The divisions of Judah, Issachar, and Zebulon are to, camp, are to camp toward the sunrise on the east side of the tabernacle beneath their family banners. These are the names of their tribes, their leaders, and numbers of the registered troops. You've got Judah, his Nehashon, if that's how you say that. Again, the numbers. We went through these numbers already. Look, okay, you can fact check me if you want, but it's the same, 74,600, okay? If you don't believe me, go back into chapter one and you can cross-reference that thing. Actually, oh wait, I'm sorry. Yeah, Judah's, uh, yeah, there he is. He's up there. Okay. Judah, 74,600. Issachar, 54,400. Zebulon, 57,400. So that's, that's your east siders, okay? That's the east side, right? Don't mess with the east side, okay? They're, they're crazy, all right? Don't, that's, I grew up, I lived, used to live on the east side of a town, and uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of nuts. It was crazy. Verse 9, in the ghetto, like that's the, the east side, in the ghetto. Not like east side, good side, but like, uh, I grew up in some fun places. Verse 9. So the total of all the troops on Judah's side of the camp is 186,400. These three tribes are to lead the way whenever the Israelites travel to a new campsite. Okay, so this, they're, they're on the east side. They're the leaders. When it starts, the journey starts, they take the lead. Divisions next, Reuben, Simeon, and Gad are to camp on the south side of the tabernacle beneath their family banners. Okay, here's our southerners right here. They're the name, these are the names of the tribes, their leaders, numbers of the registered troops. Reuben, Simeon, and Gad, that's the three, okay? And there's their leaders, you can see that. 46,500 for Reuben, Simeon, 59,300, and Gad had 45,650. Total of all the troops of Reuben's side of the camp is 151,450 warriors. These three tribes will be the second in line when the Israelites travel. So you got the east side guys, then the south side guys, okay? And then the division of Ephraim, verse 18 and 19 here. Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin are to camp on the west side of the tabernacle beneath their family banners. These are the names of the tribes, their leaders, numbers of the registered troop. Ephraim has 40,500. Manasseh has 32,200. Benjamin has 35,400. Total of all their trip, their troops on Ephraim's side is, uh, these are West Siders, um, 108,100 warriors. These three tribes will be third in line when the Israelites travel. So you got east, south, west, all right? Then you got to have somebody, you know, you're going to have the Levites kind of sandwiched in there, all right? We'll see that in just one second. But 
says the divisions of Dan, Asher, and Naphtali are to camp on the north side of the tabernacle beneath their family banners. These are the names of their, tri- their tribes, leaders, and numbers of the registered troops. You got Dan at 62,700, Asher at 41,500, and Naphtali at 53,400. So the total of all the troops on Dan's side of the camp is 157,600. These three tribes will be the last, marching under their banner whenever the Israelites travel. In summary, the troops of Israel listed by their families totaled 603,550, but as the Lord had commanded, the Levites were not included in this registration, so the people of Israel did everything as the Lord commanded, good start, each clan and family set up camp and marched under their banners exactly as the Lord had instructed them. All right, so you have this number. This is a good number. and all this. There's going to be another number that comes into the equation a little bit, and there's a little discrepancy on like, well, why is it different? We'll get there later. But um, just want to let you know that there's no discrepancy in the count. So some people like to go to numbers and say 603,000 here and some odd, and then it's this number here. It's really not a big deal. I'm going to let you know just right off the bat. But this is the camp setup, okay? You got all the men who've been counted, warriors. Now you got them all set up. The tabernacle is right there in the middle. So the east side, you got your three, you got your three, then you got your others, then your others, and your others, right? And it, it goes east, south, west, north, and sandwiched in between all of those. We'll see next week as we go into the, the Levites portion of the scripture. They're in the middle of it all. Nice and orderly. Everybody's being compliant. Everybody's doing good. You know, whatever you say, Moses, all that you say, we will obey. We will do. They're going to repeat that quite often, actually. Even the next generation will make some of those same claims, and they don't do so well at it. But everybody's starting off great and good, and we're ready for an adventure. We're ready for the journey. We were ready ready for a two-week road trip up to the promised land, the land that our forefathers have, have the right to. We have the right to because of them. Two weeks. Let's go. Little did they know, their love for the place that God had delivered them from still occupied space within their hearts. Little did they know the the peaks at the rebellion that we saw throughout the book of Exodus would come into like full bloom throughout the journey of Numbers. The mistrust or lack of trust that they had towards God who rescued them would be on full display throughout this journey that they go on. This rescue mission that God has them on is really a revealing mission showing, exposing their hearts and what's really there, and what's really there. Warren Wiersbe, in his uh, little intro to the book of Numbers, he, he likens this to our Christian experience. And I'll, I'll just close out by reading this. Many Christians today are in between their spiritual lives, okay, coming out of Egypt and venturing into the promised land. Okay, this is what he's, he's referencing, this, this stage he says, they've been delivered from Egypt by the blood of the Lamb, but have not, that they have not yet entered into their inheritance in Christ. Canaan is not a picture of heaven, 
Rather, it's an illustration of our spiritual inheritance in Christ, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. An inheritance that must be claimed by faith. Canaan was a land of battles and blessings, as is the Christian life today. Alas, too many Christians come to the place of decision, their own Kadesh Barnea, and they fail to enter into their inheritance by faith. Instead of being conquerors, as described in the book of Joshua, they become wanderers, as described in Numbers. Yes, they are saved, but they fail to fulfill God's purpose for their lives. They will not trust God to overcome giants, knock down walls, and give them the inheritance that he has promised. They will not cross the Jordan, which illustrates death to self. And step out by faith to claim what Christ has promised for them. It is interesting to note that the nation did not grow during the wilderness wanderings. In fact, the second census showed 1,820 fewer men of war. The nation wasted 38 years enduring unnecessary afflictions, failed to grow, and failed to honor God, all the while they were on their, their death march. This is what unbelief does to Christians. It wastes time. It wastes effort. It wastes manpower. And it brings no real blessing. How sad it is when churches fail to step out by faith and and as a result start to degenerate spiritually, numerically, and materially. May God help us to trust his word. I Warren Wearsby just hit it out of the park for numbers. And may what we learn through the book of Numbers not be true of us individually or us corporately. We want to grow. By the end of Numbers, I hope that your relationship and your walk with Jesus has grown, has matured. Because it is possible to read through the book of Numbers and to grow closer to Jesus. Okay? That might be an element of faith that you have to grab hold of, right? And that's fine. That's fine. But you can trust me with that statement. You can read through the book of Numbers and fall more in love with Jesus. I promise you that. I promise you that. Okay? May we see that growth as we journey through this. And may in our own personal lives and personal walks with Jesus, where we started to wherever it is that we will end up, whether it's he takes us home one day because our time here is done, or he raptures us, whatever it is. I pray that we could be like Joshua and Caleb. Be like, man, Lord, from day one, I was ready to fight. Show me the giants. Who cares? What are giants to God? What are walls to God? There is no enemy compared to God. May our hearts be like Joshua and Caleb, the two out of the 600 plus thousand who had the bravery to say, you know what? That's what he promised us. Let's go get it. Let's go get it. So I pray that that's true of all of us individually, corporately, as we go through this journey of the book of Numbers. This has been another edition of Bread for the Broken, and all of us here are so glad that you joined us today. 
The message you just heard was from the Book of Numbers, where Pastor James has been camping out. Our existence could definitely be seen as dotted with hills, valleys, streams, and rivers, couldn't it? I wonder if we would realize the evidence of God in our lives if we were to map it out on a piece of paper. You'd see where he showed up and where he corrected behavior or maybe where he changed our course. Numbers is a book detailing the Israelites' desert stay after leaving Egypt. In it, we can see how disobedience and defiance don't go unnoticed. God is patient, but there comes a point when our actions deserve redirection, deserve a consequence. We can't follow God and obey what He says if our eyes are always focused on ourselves or our circumstances. So, what do you think? Are you ready for a shift in focus? Are you ready to find hope and new life in Jesus? If so, we'd love to pray with you and walk through that decision with you here at Bread for the Broken. Just visit us at breadforthebroken.com. Another way that you can connect with us is through our Facebook live stream. It's a great way to connect and learn from afar. We're a laid-back church in Galveston, Texas, that just wants to magnify Jesus at all ages. Will you help us in this mission? On our website, breadforthebroken.com, there's a donation link. It's easy to use, so we encourage you to check it out. We're so glad that you were able to sit and soak in the words of Jesus today with Pastor James. We look forward to meeting with you again next time, here on Bread for the Broken.